Star Trek hair. That hair. Can we talk about what hair products you use? We're back, and so is Star Trek hair. I can see you, but in person. <laughs> Where are we? Uh, it's almost like it's a strange new world. Oh, oh snap. Oh, shit. You guys, we are back in the studio. I mean, not only are we back after a long time, we determined it was January that we did our last episode. Mm -hmm. And basically, after, I mean, some of it was because the world's opening up after COVID and it's a strange new world after COVID. But, uh, yeah, it's almost like Lauren and Larissa 2.0 in a way. Yeah. Yeah. We're back in the same room. Yeah. Uh, you guys, only our first episode yeah. was done in the studio before shit hit the fan. And we were forced to record at home. And uh, my audios are horrible. No. If you go way back in our catalog. So sorry. <laughs> I, I get, like, better and better throughout that. But it's so nice to be here and not worry about. We were doing our best with what we had. I know. We were. <laughs> this is so much better. <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh, my God. Welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Laura. Woo! Woo! We're back. It's been a crazy year. Lots of life stuff also for both of us and, you know, the continuing uh, pandemic. But it just, things got crazy and... Now, here we are back. There's so much new Star Trek to talk about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we had, like, good stuff and bad stuff. I feel like we have to mention we both got COVID. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that was part of it. And uh, just life. You yeah. were touring. You won. I feel like we have to mention it and kind of gloat a little bit. Larissa won. What was it from? Uh, I. <laughs> you. She won a big, impressive pri not a prize. <laughs> Not a prize I won title. The publishers the clearing yes. sweepstakes. No, yeah, I I won Americana Music Award for Instrumentalist of the Year. That's awesome. It was yeah, uh, yeah. Congratulations! Thank you. Larissa's been like killing it. It's weird to think because since we haven't been here since January, we like we had good stuff, we had bad stuff, you know, family stuff, personal stuff, but like you have just been scoring a lot of stuff. Uh, and and been on the road uh, and just that's all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Work work is really good. Same here. Yeah. Same here. I've been busy. My kids are now. We were talking about this a month after we recorded our first episode. I found out I was uh, pregnant with my second child. That child is turning two. You know, probably oh a God. little before this episode comes out. Um, so it's amazing. This is yeah. We've been doing this for longer than I. <laughs> Longer than I remembered, which is great. Like when we started this podcast, Discovery was the only new Star Trek out. Okay. At the time. And we. Oh, the train. There it is. <laughs> There's the train. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, like. Oh, my gosh. So much new Star Trek. So all the, much. All the short treks. The cartoons. We've had yep, two animated series. Two animated series. And now. And Picard. And Picard. Yeah. 
Holy shit, there's so much Star Trek, you guys. <laughs> oh my god. And now uh Strange New Worlds. Yeah. And we were we're still trying to to talk about one of the books anyways. So yes, we had yet another new Star Trek, which is Strange New Worlds, uh, which we talked about briefly the trailer with the cage. Yes. Yeah. And um it was like, okay, here we go. More new Star Trek. And I kind of feel like when people talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they're just getting fatigue or it's just like there is too much. I was a little worried that might be happening to me in Star Trek. It's just like, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, Marvel is the most exhausting franchise. There, it's too, it, there's too, it's too much. There's too much. There's so much stuff. It's so much stuff. Although we did just finish She-Hulk and I really enjoyed it. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was great. Okay. Liked it a lot. My husband is watching uh, the new Game of Thrones. I will not be watching that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I asked how much incest there was in the beginning. And he was like, "Eh, not that much. And now he's like, I am so confused. Like, everyone's related, but I forget how. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. I I, like have to pick and choose. So it was like, oh, man. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. And there's the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Not watching that. We we just finished. That. I have no. T- I have time for the Star Trek that we talk about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. As as having a two year old and a four year old and everything else that's going on is like that's what I have time for. And uh, maybe this is a good time to segue because all I can say is I'm really happy with this new Star Trek. I yes. know you watched it. I know Michael uh, was like, I'm really curious to see what you think about Strange New World, which I thought that's probably a good sign. For the record, Larissa has. How many seasons are there? Is there? There's just one. Just one. Yeah. You've watched it all. I've watched right? the whole thing. And just because we, a couple of weeks ago, were like, what are we going to record? And was like, okay, cool. Strange New Worlds. I watched the first three. Yeah. And so I think that'll be nice, actually, that you've watched the whole show. And I'm coming in as someone who's just watched like the first three episodes. Yeah. But I have been pleasantly surprised because yeah. I feel like I have been an old fogey. Who's liked my, you know, 1990s, 90s era TNG. And I just want to stay in that little blanket. And I'm like, I have to talk about this new stuff and what all the cool kids are talking about. And, <laughs> you know, like, I haven't hated it. I don't. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that are like, this is the worst thing. I'm going to get on Twitter or whatever and be angry. Man. Yeah. But I've been pleasantly surprised by Strange New Worlds because I felt like Picard and what I've seen a discovery, you know, when I think back, it's like, oh, yeah, remember we had someone trying to, you know, Seven's adoptive son. Like, let's just try to dig in his skull yeah. and take away something that's not there. And we had death and we had probably melting. We have some melting in the first episode of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was like, you know, kind of dark and depressing. And Yeah. And I feel like for a lot of Trekkies at least for me, and I feel like I feel like a lot of people relate to this, that like Star Trek is like a uh, place of comfort for me. Mm. Star Trek is one of my like intense special interests, but I also use it to like self-soothe. <laughs> that makes sense? Sure. You know, like I'll be, I've been on tour for the past couple of years, and if the hotel room has a place that I can cast Amazon Prime, I have my... Uh, Paramount Plus subscription through Amazon Prime then I put on Star Trek and then I feel like I'm at home in this strange hotel room you know what I mean Uh, and when I do that I don't put on Discovery you know sure and I I put on 
TNG, I put on Voyager. You know, I'm not, I put it on so that I feel like, oh, this is my house now, at least for the next couple nights, mm. you know? And I light a candle and I try to feel like home. And Discovery, like, even though it's, there's a lot of fun shit in there, I really do enjoy the show, especially the past two seasons. It's not the comfort show for me that TNG is. And I mean, for a lot of reasons, part of those reasons are, you know, connections to my childhood and memories and shit. Sure, nostalgia. Yeah, like yeah. that's going to play into it. But and- Strange New Worlds feels more like TNG to me. And I don't know if that's just like <laughs> me being like, finally, yeah, they, they're doing what I want them to do. You know, like <laughs> we all, we all, uh, as fans, we're all like, why don't they do what I want them to do? Uh, but this does feel like more my kind of shit. Yes. And uh, and I wanted to bring that up that you are a fan of Discovery. Yeah. And and so you can say that objectively. It's almost like like I loved watching Breaking Bad. I loved watching Battlestar Galactica. But those were kind of, you know, they were dark and they weren't always hopeful. Yeah. And I, I just it's one of those things where I'm like, I had a really fun time watching that. I don't need to watch it again, though. I think I'm, I'm kind of one and done. And you're right. Like some of the older ones. It was fun to go back and watch Riker make omelets for the crew. Yeah. And <laughs> I've only seen a handful of Discovery, so I can't really have an objective opinion. But when I think about that in Picard, I'm thinking of like Michelle Yao, like slitting everyone's neck with like a secret earring and someone <laughs> and accident, her accidentally eating one of her best friends and like secret earring. Yes. And like yeah, all this true. shit that's like and there's so much punching in the first episode of Picard. My my punch counter was just like, oh, Okay, it is a lot of punching. A lot of punching, more death. Yeah, and so Discovery. I know I've only seen the first three episodes, but that's usually what a journalist would see if they were doing a review. Is traditionally the first three. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I've genuinely enjoyed it. It's what we kind of wanted when we were talking about the trailer. You have your little forty-five minute romps, Mm -hmm. Um, and what I really like is they actually plant. They're planting seeds. You have some really good character. Uh, interactions and character development and then they're kind of planting seeds for maybe more long-term things but it's not the whole show doesn't depend on that like Picard I can say we had this 10 episode arc of Soji and the Borgs and what does it mean and I guess that makes sense for Picard but I felt like everything was in service of this 10 arc story mm-hmm. and even though they had episodes that kind of focused on the characters it really at the end of the day like you didn't really get that much. Yeah. And it's almost like I think the thing about these more self-contained episodes, because, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are longer arcs in Strange New Worlds. We know this. We, I mean, I've seen the whole first season. Uh, but uh, with these smaller, more contained adventures, I feel like the thing they're able to do is set the stakes differently. Like to me, the stakes in discovery are always like the whole universe is going to explode. Right. Yeah. You know, like, or the whole Federation is gone. Everyone's blown up. Like it's, you know, like we just lost everything. The stakes are so like, yeah. Where do you go from here? Right. And I feel like the really nice thing about this uh, way of delivering story is that the stakes are more personal now Mm. like the stakes are personal to the characters or the stakes are personal to uh like for example the the uh stakes are are this one race of people or the stakes are like you know uh pike's personal shit that he's 
carrying with him from Discovery. Yeah. Uh, personal shit, like the doctor's personal shit, like Lieutenant uh, Noonie and Singh, like her oh personal gosh. shit. Spoiler, yeah. We'll talk <clears throat> about that. Yeah, yeah. But like, and I mean, even like number one has the third episode. It, that's her personal shit. The stakes yeah. are personal. The stakes are not like, we have to save the galaxy. Well, and that's what's nice because the things you're bringing up is just character development. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's really what it is. And that's character development and adventure at the same yes. time. And, and again, it's one of those things where but it's okay if you jump like nothing would be crazy important if you missed an episode. At this point at least, I feel like. Like yeah. if someone did just jump in and and jump into episode three or episode two, it's like it's probably of no consequence. I can't speak for later in the series, but like Picard, at least I felt like you you had to dedicate yourself to ten episodes, and yes. which is fine. I just felt like the character development suffered because they were so tied to that concept of the bigger story. Yeah, and this one, it just sort of like okay, so we're probably not going to do like a standard like this is what happens the first episode. No. Yeah, we're just gonna talk. But like the second episode, I liked all of them, even the first one, which is a big deal because I have uh, been recorded on the show saying. I usually skip the first episodes of the uh-huh. seasons. They're usually kind of these. Oh, it's almost like they're trying to be movies, but they're like a two episode thing. And although Deep Space Nine is, it's pretty good. Like, I don't think anyone's going to blame me for skipping next. Well, I don't know. I was going to say, I guess next gens isn't too bad, but it's just like, I mean, okay, already. I got it. I got it. Next gens, you just get, you know, DeForest Kelly being like, what hours <laughs> I was this. We're here in the spaceship. That's like, right. Okay, that is that one. <laughs> so maybe I, mean, I should go back. But you know, it's like it's it's kind of like, eh, let's just roll on to you know yeah, other episodes. Like pilots, you never fucking know. Yeah, you know, and they're trying shit out, but they, I mean, this is well thought out. The fact, and yeah. it is still it still has like a little bit of that like classic Star Trek cheesiness, like the classic like. Look at look at what we could be. Look at what look yes. at the possibilities, which I fucking love. I mean, I love cheesy shit. I love it. <laughs> I love things that make me feel little things in my heart. But we also have like the beginnings of longer story arcs, like hints of yes. beginnings of other story arcs. But it's still a self-contained, like beginning, middle, and end mm-hmm. thing, and then hit it. Yeah, and and so like the first episode is like it's fine. We'll get into a little bit more of like the episodes, but like for instance, the second, second and third episode, I really like the second episode. What I love though is that I mean it's a pretty basic story. It's like there's a comet headed to a planet. We have to move it, but that is a simple premise where we've hung all this character stuff. Mm-hmm. It really is an Uhura episode. It is but, an Uhura episode. But then secondarily, it's also a Uhura and Spock episode. Yeah, and that opening where it's like. They're going to, I guess that's actually Pike's like quarters. Yeah. By the way, he For probably sh- has the nicest quarters of any captain. He has a legit kitchen. He has like a chef's kitchen. I he mean, has like a sink I, that doesn't like come out of the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like he's got counter space. Yeah. That's a nice 
I was like, damn. I know. I would lo- I would love to hang out in the captain's quarters. Holy crap. Yeah. So, I so use your kitchen. It's nicer than mine. That was, th- but that whole scene, and I'll probably go back to it because there's a couple. Where they're, pr- like, they punk her. And, yes. Yeah. But also when we talk about Andorian guy and stuff, like that scene actually Hammer! has <laughs> quite a few uh, interactions but like that like I said that's the stuff I love is like Riker making eggs for the crew and they turn yes. out horrible or he's playing a trombone or or at the at the going away party when Data thinks he's retiring he doesn't know how to open a gift like that's what's always fun is that there are these like sci-fi mysteries or these you know it, we actually the first three episodes you have kind of like three classic concepts the first one is like a, a rescue thing you know they have to go in and save their people but yeah Second one is, oh, no, the, the crew is trapped on mysterious thing. They need to get out. Like, boom. Um, the third one is, like, there is something. Else. It's more of a mystery. Yeah. And these are, like, classic, not only Star Trek, Star Trek but sci-fi things that yeah. we see, plot lines. And, but they've been able to do the wonderful part where they just hang these interactions on them. And we get so much for the characters. And, um, yeah, I just think they're doing it really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, de- I, w- I will say that I did have some trouble like it musically in the second episode only because uh, it's very obvious that Ethan Peck doesn't sing. And he oh. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, oh, here. Oh, here he goes. Here. Here we go. He's singing now. And yeah. Celia Rose Gooding, on the other hand, is a I think that's she, a horror for yes, people who don't know uh, is a. Tony nominated actress. Yes. Her mother is a Tony winner. She her mother uh, uh, was in the original Broadway cast of The Color Purple. Oh, okay. Um, she's from a musical family. Perfectly cast, I think, as Ahura because, like, you know, when we think about Ahura, we think about Nichelle Nichols. We think about how, first of all, she wanted to quit Star Trek to go back to Broadway, and then Martin Luther King Jr. said. Please do not do that. Mm. Um, that's like the whole. I, I mean, and also R.I.P. Yes, we Michelle, lost people we while lost we were gone. People while we were gone. Um, we but Kaiwen, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, we lost a lot of people. Um, but she was a Broadway musical theater actor. So, like, of course, cast another musical theater actor in that part. You know, like hell yes, that I I love. That attention to, de- to detail, like we would not have forgiven Star Trek, honestly, if they had miscast Uhura. <laughs> it would be that's that's like a grievous mistake. That's a lot of weight her. on her shoulders, it too. It is a lot of weight on her shoulders, but I really do feel like they're letting her be. They're not boxing her in to try to make her just like Michelle Nichols. Well, good, and, and we have had one recasting. In the middle from the movies and Zoe, I can never get her name wrong. Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Like, you know, so we have had, she's not the first person to sort of reinvent. Take up up the mantle. Yes. And as as I always like to point out, we can't just say it's all about the actress. There is obviously the writing. So, you know, it's like the actors can only do so much with the writing. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, yeah, it's a very symbiotic relationship when developing a character. Um, do you, should we talk about like the casting? Is that where this is going? Sure. Ooh, this is, I think this is good. I think talking about the casting is going to be great. I'm going to start out just by saying, uh, we got some of this cast already in on discovery. Yeah. And you might have to, I never saw any of those episodes. Mm. So I did have questions, especially cause the first episode, I am pretty sure it deals with when 
in Discovery they run in with this group. Because they mentioned something about when we went through the wormhole, the sky lit up. And, yeah. and I'm like, oh, God, Larissa, where are you? Yep. yep. Explain this to me. So we have these these characters. Well, we have three of these characters in Discovery. We have Christopher Pike. We have number one. And we have Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, Spock, as we know, is uh, the adopted uh, or uh, Michael Burnham is Spock's adopted sister. Um, so there's that connection. Uh, Pike takes over after Lorca, the whole Lorca thing happens. Jason Isaac's character. After Jason Isaac's character, who turns out to be from the bad place. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I do. I do. So one of the episodes we watch, that's revealed at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He takes over when that all that shit goes down and then becomes everyone's favorite space daddy. Uh, <laughs> for real. And has one of the best catchphrases of all. Oh, the is it hit it? Hit it. I learned that because when I posted something on my Instagram, that was what came up. And I hadn't heard him say that. But yeah, his make it so is hit it. Hit it. Or engage. I guess it would be the version of engage. engage. Yeah. yeah. Or like take her out. Yeah. You know, hit it. Yeah. Hit it. I love it. We get number one or um, Una Chin Riley, uh, played by Rebecca Romaine, who. Uh, yes, yes, one hundred percent, yes, perfect, fuck yes. Uh, and then Spock, played by Ethan Peck, all three of them on Discovery, they're crew members basically for a whole season. Oh Jesus, really that long? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So season two, I'm guessing. Season two. Okay. Uh, of Discovery, in case yes. people are confused. So Pike, it. I forget exactly what the adventure is what happens but he sees his future in this like Klingon monastery because he I don't know okay so that actually happens that actually happens in discovery so he sees how he dies and how he gets in that famous contraption yeah that he's stuck in yes so he gets all of this information and this is him trying to process that like that's some crazy shit to like know when you're gonna die and it's a lot of painful terror and you see it happening to him you see it like you know eating him up and you see the worry and the fear that he's got going on but how how like he's still really doing his job really well oh he's just really good at his job he's just very very good so yeah from someone who might be in my position of not really being in discovery but going to strange new worlds that's like the first episode it's revealed in the first 10 or 15 minutes that like Larissa saying that he has this vision like and he's <laughs> I love it he's got a big beard he's in Montana because whenever Star Trek wants to be like earth it's always like you got to put your Sherpa jacket on and you got to yeah. go somewhere with trees and horses and log cabins yeah. and then some some like futuristic space shuttles got to pick you live up live in a former national yes. park damn it um Seeing row, row with your boat. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be making eggs. You got to have a horse. Eggs Man. or pan- some sort of breakfast food. There has to be a horse. I mean, do you even there realize? There must be a horse. This, I mean, it sounds like the Nexus. It sounds like generations. <laughs> like, damn it, he's tying to Kirk and there's like a woman waiting for him. And he's yep. like, I got to bring breakfast to her. And, yep. But, but yeah, like you basically, episode one, it's a 45 minute episode. It clicks along and you realize, oh, okay, cool. He actually knows this piece of information which i was not expecting as someone who's not as familiar with discovery so that was a very interesting 
thing to kind of throw out there. Yeah. And I love that they're uh, taking that and they're running with it. It's obvious that it was planned that way Mm -hmm. Um, and showing what I think is a very well written example of non-toxic masculinity. Yes. Which we'll get into more. Yes. Yes. And allowing this masculine character to process his trauma in a healthy way. Yeah. You know, like watching him be vulnerable and then also watching him open up to his friends about it, you mm-hmm. know, like talking to number one, I'm about talking, to it. Spock. talking to Spock about it, like because that's one of the other things that I love the most about Star Trek. Yes. It's a good friend moment. <laughs> we know Larissa loves a good friend moment. Trademark. Wait, can we I'm just going to put this out there. One of our future episodes might have to be like Larissa's top five good friend moments yeah but um no but no it is interesting because like you said it is a very like the idea of fate and all that is a very star trek thing and so yeah yeah, you get him talking to spock who has a very different viewpoint of it than like number one and i love how he brings up that he's like i've looked up these people i'm supposed to save yeah so then it's also another moral dilemma of it might just not be as something as simple as like can i die or not die it's like is it possible I am affecting these, you know, eight other people? And especially like there's mm-hmm. the end of episode three where he happens to look them all up. But since it's good, he says in the beginning, like it's supposed to be about a decade away. He's like, I have about 10 years according to this prophecy. So when he looks them up, they're all kids. Like, you yeah. know, and they show them and it's just like that means so much more. And, you know, going back to like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And it's just like you said, something they go back to, but it's just it doesn't weigh down the story yeah 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 because it's really just we're learning new things about these characters all the time and the the things that have happened to them and the experiences that they've had the traumas they've been through informs how they make decisions now informs how they react to like new uh dangers and how they react as i mean that's one of the nice things like we learned very early that like Riker has a shit relationship with his dad or that you know it's like Picard stood up this woman like you know their whole story no she stood up him no remember the French woman (laughs) (laughs) Riker has a terrible relationship with his dad Picard stood up a woman it was the first thing that jumped to my mind but you know what I mean it's just like yeah it's this idea that everyone's got work but behind the scenes, there's all this stuff going on. And so that's what I like about yeah. this is that it's not all centered, at least for now, on one big uh, story. It's like, yeah, like because that's what would really ha- that's what does happen. You yeah. go to your life. But meanwhile, the person you're in a meeting with, they have like some drama going here or someone's dealing with their own insecurities. Um, so let's see. Are we we're talking about Pike, right? Well, yeah, we were kind of like going through all of the cast okay because i definitely have some thoughts about pike yeah i mean uh, he's great who's the actor again anson mount this is funny the only time i've seen him is the opening of that short track with the tribbles oh <laughs> oh wow so you haven't seen the movie crossroads starring britney spears i looked up his wikipedia <laughs> no i mean well yes it's true I've, i yeah. haven't seen anything else but i mean the pike character yeah the yeah, new, yeah, yeah, I, yeah yeah sorry i <laughs> But I, I just had I, to, does, I had to bring dad? up. Is he her dad in Crossroads? No. He's probably too young no, in 1998. Dan Aykroyd is, plays oh. Britney Spears' dad in Crossroads, oh. and he is the love interest. Oh, shit. Yes, he is very hot. Wait, how he's old is he in her life? He's always been a hot, hot, hottie. 
How old is Anson Mount? I mean, Mount? No, no offense. It's he just like 49. Britney Spears is, okay, a nine age. Uh, I was going to say, like, she was a teenager, so. Crossroads came out in 1998. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. And Britney Spears is, I think she's She just age. turned. She just turned 40. Yeah. So, yeah. Wait, you're 40? I'm going to be 40 this spring. Okay. I'm I, 39. Okay, I'm 38. So we but yeah. we still have to wait. That's right, because yeah, our yeah, birthdays yeah. are, like, really are, close yeah, to yeah, each yeah. other. So that's not too bad. But, like, back then, I'm like, yeah, pushing yeah. 10 years. I'm sure he was casted for a younger age, but. but yeah. So, I mean, but he's always been a little cutie pie. No, he's a very attractive man. He is from the middle he's from Tennessee, Tennessee area. Yes, he's from Dixon. I saw that. Yes. So, I mean, he's a good looking guy, but what I love is that because we had talked to him a little, uh, talked to him, if only. Yeah, Anthony, um, do you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> Can we talk about what hair products you use? Please. Yes. No, but what I loved is that when we did the short track, they only show a glimpse of him, but we just had a conversation, I think, before recording about, you're like, oh, you should, in Discovery, he's really funny, he's really great. And you mentioned that he was a really good captain. And seeing him now, it's really great because there have been so many Star Trek captains, but I might be imagining this, but you said like, he's like the best boss you ever want. Yeah. And that's how I feel like, like when I see him, don't get me wrong, he's a good looking guy, but I'm not like, oh, hey, Mr. Hottie Toddy. Yeah. It's more like, I wish I had a Captain Pike to tell me everything would be okay when I had an issue. Like, right? Yeah. He's just like a really great mentor and knows how to run a good ship and- and I really enjoy that. I mean, even in the second episode when Uhura is very honest at the dinner party about like, I don't know if I belong here yet. And yeah. he just says like, well, I hope you find where you do belong, even if it's not here. And I'm like, yeah. that's so supportive. That's a good right? That's a good captain moment. We're going to yeah. have to make a new hashtag. Well, and that's <laughs> the kind of shit we hope is just fucking normal in the future, mm. right? Like that the even it, it within a hierarchical system, there's not... This he doesn't have this sense of superiority or or separation really even from yes. his crew. Like he yes. really does treat the crew of the ship like a community, mm-hmm. and that his he just has a particular job within the community. Yes, and that is so refreshing. I mean, even as even coming from someone like me, who's like Picard is my captain. He always will right. be. Like Picard is is definitely very separated yes. from his crew. Like he feels like he has to be extra private. He feels like he has to have some a sort of professional relationship with everyone. And Pike doesn't have that, but he is still somehow professional at the same time. Yeah, you know, he- he's cl- he's familiar and still professional and also like is able to provide like a sense of like joy about like the job that they're doing like he like him like turning around and being like "Eh, i love this job (laughs) you know like that that is like showing his crew of newbies that like they're allowed to feel that too you know like they're allowed to be excited they're allowed to be like i can't believe i'm on this ship right now and we're gonna go exploring like he wants them to feel those things and that's like i think a sign of an excellent leader yeah and it's to his credit like Picard just has like a different philosophy. Like he yeah. feels like he needs to be separate and like Kirk's kind of relaxed, but like smug. Like he is the original space cowboy. Yeah. Um, he also like Pikes, takes risks without anyone, without like 
getting he's a little narcissistic and yeah. he feels like yeah like he is kind of like above everything Pike, yeah i feel like has swag but he's very down to earth and he he's almost like the college department head everybody wants where it's like hey man do you mind if i like talk to you for 20 minutes she's like sure come in i was just listening to my vinyl records or, yeah yes, <laughs> definitely. definitely you know it, but uh so it's it's actually really cool because they're having so many captains and so many favorite captains it's nice to see like them successfully pull off another captain yeah and, and like you said one that feels very current i'm sure as i watch and and the nice thing too is it he does he still is very human though you know he's mm-hmm. not perfect yeah yeah and I also I also think that if you're gonna give us another white dude captain, he better be special because it's twenty twenty two. Although I guess people could say like he was the original, like I mean, you know, yes, but you yes, know what I mean. But yeah. yeah. Uh they're t- I love what they have done with this character. Yes. They have done a, an excellent job with this character and the actor does a great job and you know again it's a very symbiotic relationship between the actor and the writer and the hair team (laughs) star trek hair hair. we're back and so is star trek hair i fucking love it i fucking love it let's move on yes and talk about number one okay yes Yes. played by rebecca romaine who originally if people forget was i always screw up her name miss the lovely miss roddenberry but is it i'm always michelle michelle I'm sorry. You tell I'm saying it. Majel. Majel. If if I read it, it becomes something else in my brain. If I have yes. to say it, it's like, I actually don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Majel Barrett Roddenberry yes. originally played number one. Yes. In the um, cage, which we've talked about. Yes. And then played Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel. Yeah. So there are two characters on this show that were formerly played by the first lady of Star Trek, Majel Barrett Roddenberry. Uh, and this is the first one. This this is the character that was axed after the cage. Yes, they were like, no, there can't be a female first officer. Um, fuck well, you, whoever you were. Although we we're happy, we're happy. It's everything's fine, but also fuck you for saying that. I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna add something. We said this in our previous one, but I have read. This might be kind of legend. They didn't mind having a female, but they wanted to recast her. And 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 oh, and Gene was like, fuck. He was you. like, no, like. And that's why he wrote Gene was Nurse, right. And that's yeah. why he wrote the role of Miss Chapel for her because mm-hmm. he wanted her on the show. He really believed in her. But what it was is I, I'm, I'm, he also had a crush sucks. on her. Well, it sucks, but I think they just thought that she wasn't attractive enough to to be the part. Oh yeah, I feel like we did talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, which and is so, so fucked up because she's magical looking. She's gorgeous. Yeah. And so th- he just decided, like, look, if it's not going to be her, we're just not even gonna like give the role to somebody the else so yeah, yeah, i, I yeah. can i can kind of understand like who knows what they would have done with it anyways yes but we have it now yeah we have her now we have her and i have to say that i think rebecca romaine is perfect for this part. she's great she's great yeah she's she is absolutely fantastic for this uh i also love that her husband what's his name <laughs> Jerry, o- Jerry, O'Connell? Jerry o'connell is the voice of the first officer yes! on lower decks so now they're both uh Number ones. Oh, it's right. I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> Which is very sweet and fun. She she looks the part. I mean, yeah. looking at her like side by side with Majel, like she she looks the part. Yeah, very much. It's like you have to. It's so hard recasting these roles because basically you want someone who's gonna like honor. 
the original. Yes. It's not that they have to look exactly like them or but someone who's going to sort of slide into that yeah. and, and pull it off, yeah. uh, which we have to talk about a lot with this because yeah. there's a lot of that going on. There is a lot of that. Uh, sure. So she looks great. I think her character's written well. I remember when um, reading something interesting about uh, the Alien franchise when mm-hmm. it came to Ripley, uh, played by Sigourney Weaver, uh, that the part was actually written so it could be a man or a woman playing it. Uh, and they casted Sigourney Weaver. But what I love is that I, watching the episodes I did, I felt that way about number one. Yeah. Where it's like, this could be a man or a woman. Yeah. And I know that sounds pretty simple. Or a non-binary person. Could uh, be anyone. You're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you guys know what I mean. Yes, is that it could be It anyone. was not specific to any sort of... Yeah. So that was refreshing There's because... There's nothing like traditionally masculine or traditionally yes, feminine. Yes, thank you. Yeah. There, there would be like in the hands of somebody else, I could see them really pushing the whole like... Because wasn't there something in the cage where... He even he even says something to to number one about like not you number one you're different and it's like yeah, yeah. fuck that yeah Ew. it's like that it's microaggression like, oh I, oh I forgot yeah this like is the nineteen sixties yeah women are so emotional but not you number one um, yeah. and so you could see somebody else like handling that in that way or sneaking yeah. that in but there was no dialogue written for number one that sort of um, pinpointed that the the character had to be something specific like that yeah yeah which I. Which is the way it should be. Yeah, and which is the way it should be. Uh, I have one complaint, though, about her character right now. You do? As somebody on episode three. And I'm curious. I don't know what they're going to do with it because, again, you've seen the whole series one. I'm not going to say anything. On episode, all right, and I should say spoilers because I thought we could talk about this without spoilers. We can't. There's just too many, like, bombs they drop that I think we have to talk about. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the fucking season's been out for months. Right, so, right. So if uh, you're like me, just, you know. Yeah, don't listen to this if you haven't seen it. <laughs> so and uh, on the third episode, they go to a planet. Uh, and it's kind of cool. They're they're researching the demise of an alien species that they didn't try to terraform planets to suit their needs. They would genetically alter themselves to kind of be one with nature and and improve their status which i was like that's that's a really interesting concept for an alien species i love yeah. that i guess technically it's something that was introduced in enterprise yeah and and so we won't go into that well, but like it ties into like the eugenics wars yes and yes like all of the being altered <clears throat> yeah yeah which we know about from ds9 and which we also know about from uh wrath of khan i know right and, like you know there's a there's been some uh eugenics yes. stuff. So her her species kind of like follows along that line. Although it's it's for more of a I should say a, a well intended thing. They're like, we seek to be one with nature. So that she mentions something about like that. But anyway, so we find out though that this species has always been sort of an outcast and only to one of the twists of that episode is that we find out she is one of these alien species from another colony, not the one they're researching. And so, like, there's kind of some hints, like there's this pathogen that's on the ship and we know she has it, but it's not affecting her like the rest of the crew. And then also she suddenly is like super strong and is carrying another crew member like it's nothing. So they hint about it. But at the end, there's this reveal that like, surprise, she's one of these species. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it's suggested that she is somewhat altered or like her alterations maybe passed on from her parents and you know, like if her parents had altered them to be super strong, I guess they would mm-hmm. have a kid. 
So we know, I, at least right now, I don't have any information about maybe it's just things she inherited. But then I thought, okay, that's cool. But that kind of sucks because can't, can't she just be a woman? Like now she has to be a superwoman. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, and Pike's like, and I know that's not what they're trying to do. Pike's like, you're the best number one in the galaxy, you know, Starfleet. And it's like, but is it because she's a super altered woman? Like, can't she just be a woman? woman? I understand that. I think so. It's um, a small complaint, by the way. It is. It, I, but, but it's legit. I, I also know that the concept of this alien culture and species was written and developed by DC Fontana for mm. a novel. Cool. And so bringing back that concept is kind of like, I don't know, sweet. And, no, it and like, is. Does it have to be her, though? Do, no, we, ha- do we have to compromise number one's character? Could it have been Kyle or could it have been Chapel even? Yeah, it could have been anyone. Yeah. Honestly, it could have been anyone. I like that they brought back a, a DC Fontana throwback from a novel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not from like the animated series or the original. Se- like it's like bring back like whatever yeah. DC Fontana shit you want. You have bring a back. whole catalog of like nuggets from all these writers of the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah. And especially someone like her who was like the first like woman who really yeah. contributed like creative material to the Star Trek canon. I mean, we all worship the shit out of DC Fontana. <laughs> we all know this. But so I do that element of it. I do love. I mean, I, I feel that way a lot about the way that women with superpowers are written in movies and media anyway. Like, can't you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, I guess, and I guess that's my point is like we get that so much. It'd be nice just to see a woman who like even you said you like She-Hulk. I do. I and do, I'm sure I do she's, like she I'm sure she's a good lawyer no matter what. But it's also like, once again, she's it's also like, a Hulk. Yeah yeah. 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 And I think I will say I do think we get that. Like, I'm just a woman that's really good at her job. We get that from Chapel. We're going to talk about Chapel. Soon. And we're going to talk about Chapel. Um, OK. Now we've talked about Pike and number one. Pike and number one. Now we've got Spock. Ethan Peck, who uh, this is really the most I've seen him because, again, none of the episodes that I saw Discovery had him. He's a good Spock. He's a very good Spock. Yeah. His grandfather is legendary actor Gregory Peck. I saw that. Who is uh one was my, one of my childhood crushes. <laughs> uh I I used to watch the movie Roman Holiday over and over and over. It's him and Audrey Hepburn and it's just, if you haven't seen it, everyone watch it. It's it been came, a long it time. It came out in like 1953. It's an excellent movie. Uh, he's hot. He's just like really hot. Ethan Peck, your grandfather's hot. <laughs> like really just. When I first saw his face on Discovery, I was like, I know this face. Why do I know this face? Who is this guy? I I looked, you know, his profile up or whatever. I looked him up on Wikipedia and I was like, yeah, the fucking Gregory Peck's grandson <laughs> is Spock now. He has such a distinguishable voice like I don't know if you noticed but it's just like his voice is not the voice I think would have come out of that body but Mm -hmm. it's just uh, you know it's funny because again like we're now talking about someone who's been recasted before with the movies that um, you know like Zachary Quinto Mm -hmm. is that his name Um, and so I I know there's probably some people who are like comparing those two Um, I might say that people might say like they like 
that Zachary maybe looked more like like Leonard. Yeah. But at the same time, for me, I don't care. I, I don't have to pick a favorite, I should yeah. say. But I really like Peck's uh, interpretation. I like the way he carries himself. I think one of the nice things is that watching the original TOS, like Spock, like there's kind of that cliche even within the Star Trek universe that the Vulcans are always saying, like, we control our emotions. It's not that we don't have emotions. Yeah. And I think right now the show and Peck are doing a really good job of of showing that. The fact that like Vulcans are complicated. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think you are correct. I also love to pring. A lot. Oh my god, we need to talk about that. So the first, okay, yeah. first episode. He also, gets she pro- is very hot. <laughs> he gets she's like so beautiful. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, no, that's okay. I'm just, might, I just had to like, we're I both just, like, blah, 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 blah. she's so beautiful. And oh my god, I cannot wait for you to see. Oh I, my god. I really have thoughts about this. Uh, because, okay, so in first episode, one of the things that happens is they're on hiatus. So they go to Vulcan and I love it. He has, he gets proposed to, like, yeah. to Ping. Um, and it's, you know, one of the things is, again, it's not the Vulcans don't have emotions, they control them. And so it's kind of funny because you're seeing a Vulcan, uh, proposal scene and then they're going to like go get it on. Yeah. You also see Vulcans flirting. They are totally flirting with each other. They're like, they're like, you know, winking. They're like, yeah, like, query. Query. I see you're wearing traditional mating colors, but you haven't mentioned it. It's yeah. like, what am I watching? I was very intrigued by this scene because I'm sure there is something, especially in the animated series from like long ago, where they go into this. Mm-hmm. Like the details. Yeah, of, in the books yeah. and stuff. But as just as someone who, you know, watched Star Trek but wasn't like, you know, blah, 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 consuming everything, um, I never seen anything that was so accessible to you know, humans. Yeah. And at first I was like, I wonder how people reacted to this scene because it is, they are taking something that is considered supposed to be very emotional, like, you know, uh, uh, a proposal in sex. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I wonder if there are people who ran onto Twitter and Facebook and were like, this isn't my spot. Like they wouldn't do this. Da, 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 da. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, is it kind of genius that they're showing that, this is a very emotional situation, but how they're handling it. Yes. Because you can see that Ping is upset. Like, yeah. she, their their sexy time gets interrupted. And, yeah, you know, and she's she's popping attitude, but yeah. she's, she's still she's very like, tame. I know you're saying you're committed to me, but I, I remain like, skeptical. Yeah, I yeah. remain skeptical. Ugh, excellent. And she's so, they're so quick-witted with each other. It may, It's very clear that they have great affection for each other, even though they're... They're showing it in a very Vulcan way. And there are a lot of Star Trek fans that identify as neurodivergent or who are like diagnosed somewhere on the spectrum, ADHD, all that stuff. Like me, I'm one of them. Uh, In the community, people have always said that Spock is coded autistic, Mm. that Vulcans as a species are coded autistic, and that there are a lot of people who relate to characters like Spock or like Seven of Nine and really feel seen when they see these characters on screen i've seen people talk about ethan peck and the the way that this new spock is written as instead of the way that nimoy sort of did it where he was coded neurodivergent trying to interact with holistic people with like neurotypical people and that ethan peck instead is sort of acting like he is 
neurotypical trying to interact with autistic people. Oh, interesting. Which is very cool to me because Spock is also a mixed race character. Mm -hmm. He's a mixed cultural character. So this sort of new version of Spock is like showing more of his humanness than past iterations of Spock have. And I love it. And it's that's true, too, because there are moments that do read like, again, it's a small moment, but I really enjoy it when at the dinner party, everyone's like laughing at this, the story that mm-hmm. Pike's telling about where he's in grave danger. Um, and and he's just looking around. And I feel like another version of Spock would just be like, I am a looking around computer, like data, mm-hmm. you know, and he's looking around with just like almost curiosity. And it's, there's just little things he does, even when he's not talking. Or I love, mm-hmm. I just watched, you know, the one where they're on the planet where... Illyrians. Illyrians, thank you. And and he's just like, this has all their history. I look forward to reading it, you know? But just, <laughs> there's like a charm. You know, it's like he's allowed to have interest and he's allowed to be excited about things or not excited or confused. But, you know, it's like that's there. So yeah. that, that makes total sense what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, I, I love it. I think yeah. it's great. Everyone in this cast has a very nice face. I like all of their faces. <laughs> but they're very unique. <laughs> yes. I yes. mean, I have. I hate to say it, but like, okay, are, mm, are we moving to Uhura maybe? Because I'm kind of, yeah. have a comment. Yeah. I love Uhura. I love the the actress that they. Celia Rose Gooding. Yes. Um, but like, no offense to Zoe. She did a great job too. But like, she's like, she's a babe. You know what I mean? And that's. Yeah. You, she's like legs and she's a dancer she's like a her first gazelle. movie was fucking uh center stage oh really yes you know she's yeah. actually a ballerina like she oh. has a dancer's body like she smolders yes and i think she did a great job and which I also think nichelle she... nichols does nichelle nichols yes. smolders hey. nichelle nichols is a babe I think what we're realizing is that smoldering means different things now, you know, and, and yes. that's what Strange New Worlds is all about. Is yes. like, but I guess what I mean is that, like, it's nice to see different interpretations of beauty, yes. just just in media in general. We've, yes. we've talked about that for a while on this podcast. And so what I like, though, is, um, you know, Uhura is someone who actually I feel like kind of just like, I, I, like I said, like slips into that role that mm-hmm. Nichelle did she's also so young and it's yes. obvious and she's a cadet that she's young i, I was thinking she's about 22. watching her oh, that's so awesome i i thought like she's one of my students right now in my class and i don't yes. mean that in a general turn i mean there is a specific student that oh. she reminds me of and oh. i think that's a testament to how well-rounded she is written like for instance when we look at lower decks from tng not the animated one but yeah. just you know it's like they're kind of just sort of vignettes of like He's the neurotic one. And yeah. She's the, you know, the teacher's patent. Da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I want to say one of my favorite moments from her is in the very first episode. Is it the elevator? It's the elevator yes. scene. That, that was such great character development it for was. her. It was. It really was. She, like, did her fucking homework on the mission. She learned about all the stuff. And then she is also the communications officer. So not only, like, mm. does she understand language and the importance of cultural context but she also is able to make someone feel calm in a obviously stressful situation and have a like lovely conversation with them until they uh get hypo sprayed i I feel like (laughs) i feel like we have to give context to this so yes in the first episode 
there are two aliens on the ship which are sedated. They both wake up. They get one. The one is running amok on the ship. And he gets into an elevator of Uhura. And she's just like, she starts talking yeah, about a she sport. She just goes, hi. Yeah. <laughs> and she starts talking about like hoverball or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, whatever sport. <laughs> and and he's like, oh, you know that sport? Yeah. She's like, yeah. And so this alien is like freaking out because he's on an alien ship. And by the time the elevator opens, like she's having just a genuine everyday conversation about this, like some match that happened 10 years ago. Yeah. And she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. She's distracting him so that Chapel can run up behind him and sedate him. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, I love it. They're like, chapel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but she also is genuinely interested in talking to this person, yes. too. It, it is so lovely. It was very well written. It was very, like, perfectly sort of placed in the story. It was. To, I was very just charmed. Yes. And those are those, like, little moments where you can see someone approaching a situation completely different. Mm-hmm. But it's from the way each character would. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, Nurse Chapel. Chapel. Uh, I fucking love her. Okay, I might have some of the biggest thoughts about Chapel. Yeah? So I want you to go first, though. Um, first of all, Nurse Chapel is is just, like, the, uh, the character of Nurse Chapel. Um, she's strong. She, like, stands her fucking ground. She has opinions. She is a professional. I feel like the way that Jess Bush does this character is very modern, I would agree with that, actually. I might agree with it in a different way, but I'm going to save these comments. And I am charmed by it. Okay. I think she is the most human Mm. seeming of the crew. Could we say she is the most 2022 of the group? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. 100%. Okay. We might be on the same wavelength a little bit. Well, her and Ortegas are both very 2022. I, I don't want to say too much because there's more. Okay, I know. Well, yes, I know that. Like, you can just be like, trust me, later on. Yeah, it is. Uh, I can't see. I can't. Because I will, okay. spo- I will spoil Should something I? for you. Okay, maybe. Can I get my thoughts? Again, this is like, it really is minor. But since we're yeah. digging into them, um, I like her more now the show's gone on. I did not like her. First episode, though, I was a little worried. We've talked about tropes on the show. Mm-hmm. And she was the one that I felt like within 30 seconds, I was like, I know who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be. Because so many shows did this. Like, she immediately reminded me of NCIS, that actress who, like, even if you don't watch that show, you've probably seen her. She was on the news, actually, for the last two years. But, like, she's the quirky, like, spunky lab person who does forensics. Yeah, nerd tech. Yeah, Yeah, like, she's brainy, but she's cool. And, again, she has a cool vinyl record, and she knows all the local bands. But, like, this actress, the way they styled her, she had, like, the Betty Page bangs and uh-huh. pigtails and like the studded dog collar and the big black boots. But but like there were so many shows in the like 2000s, like Bones did it. They had a rotating cast of like quirky, you know, possibly like now that we look back at it, like on the spectrum, like assistants. It yeah. could be a casted I as mean- a... Man yes. or woman. I mean, honestly, I feel like the whole trope of manic pixie dream girl is just yes! is just a girl on the spectrum. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, she is not a manic pixie. What is it again? Manic, manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> Manny pe- Ma- Manny. A Manny Petty dream girl. Manny Petty. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought where I'm like, she's not serving that trope for anyone in the story. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the way because it wasn't like Natalie Portman and Garden State, the first one yeah. labeled that way. She's not doing it for any character. She's doing it for the audience like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And that character is. And if it's a guy, it's like he's cute, but he's not like buff. He's always like 
kind of the guy who was probably picked on, but he's kind of cute. And yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah I'd sleep with him. And then, and and I, I, I got vibes from that the first episode. Maybe yeah. they were coming a little too hard with her, like, one-liners and stuff. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, okay, if this was a movie, you would be Emma Stone or you would be Margot Robbie slash Harley Quinn vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I think they dialed that down, mm-hmm. the other two episodes I've seen. I am looking forward to getting more meat on those bones. Yes. Because I feel like right now oh, she's... Oh, and you will. Okay, cool. And but you will. <laughs> I felt like the first episode, I was like, she's the only one right now that feels like a caricature and a character I've seen in a million... And it's always like the science med- medical assistant who's like stuck mm. in the forensics lab. And of course, she's in sick bay. So I look forward... I trust the show enough. Yes. For them to do something more of her. But. And and they do. And okay. I'm not going to say anything else. I, yeah, I, I really, over the course of the season, uh, grew to like really love what they did with her character. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, I think she's really cool. I want to be her friend. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, can we move on to yes. La'an, Nuni, and Singh? <sighs> this is a this is an intense one. So for, I think seeing, for me, I, yeah. she was the one that was harder for me to crack. Hmm. And it took a minute. I think it's the she's you know she's a security officer and she's the rough. Exterior. She's really tough. Yeah. yeah, she's been through a lot of trauma. She's been through a lot. She's gonna have a wall, man. But yeah, you're, you're gonna crack that you're wall. You're gonna crack but... that wall, and it's gonna get there. You know, like it's. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like how long is this gonna take? Where and but then it actually happened pretty quickly. With her relationship with number one. So just for me and maybe even our audience, if they're like me and kind of confused with all the Star Trek information in their head. So she's not related to Sung, but who's Sing again? Khan. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So she is, she is related to Somehow. Khan. Okay. Yeah. So like, because oh. Khan, Khan was like part of the eugenics war. Sure. And like I'm all sure he got around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, she's got a lot of like trauma in Whoa. her family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay, she, interesting. then the Gorn shit. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Right. right? The, that's some intense shit. That's so the I was first like, episode. I was like, holy when, fuck. All I will say is she talks about being on their nursery planet. And when yeah. she, she talks more about it. But when she said that, I was like, this cannot be good. It's gross. And it, let's just say it turns this like very silly 60s rubber lizard uh, costume yeah. into something that sounds horrifying. Horri- absolutely horrifying. Just so, so scary. Because like the Gorn, you know, from the original series were like, I mean, there's we've all seen the memes and yes. the gifs. There, It's just like a guy in a and costume. And a rubber suit. Just being like. And he probably rah. can't see. Yeah. So he was moving probably, slowly. Yes. <laughs> awkwardly yeah it is it i love what they've done with that species the gorn yeah made oh do they come back so scary oh shit great so fucking scary um yeah so so laon took me a, a minute but then as soon as there was that moment where they're rescuing number one in the first episode and they're like oh my <laughs> yeah, they're like hey my friend <laughs> then then i was like Okay, Something's... there's going to be some like really great female friendship moments, but that pass the Bechdel test. Also, you know what I'm saying? Also, I will say, okay, maybe not the first one, but like I, I the first punch I remember is thrown by one of these characters to the other. So it's like that shows you compared to like Picard 
how much the the punch meter is down. Mm-hmm. But it's also like they're not just besties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just like anything else is complicated. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like that there's actually a layered complicated yeah. relationship there. Friendship. That's I think it's wonderful. Uh, I love Christina Chong. I think she's gorgeous. And I'm very excited about more from her. I mean, I'm excited about more from everyone. Uh, like I mean, briefly mention. Ortegas, who I also love, like I love a, yeah. a like a cocky, like you know, flyboy kind of helmsman, like she, you know, Tom Parisi. She kind of all right. You this know, is horrible because I don't want this to come out the wrong way. Sorry, I interrupted. No, yeah, but, you're right. Uh, in Discovery, who's that comedian that they have on sometimes? She has a role, but Tignataro. Why is it? Is it just the haircut and like kind really? of the half smile that reminds me of yeah, her? Because they're both lesbians. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want it to come off that way, but you no, know. No, but I mean? like, but part know, of me is like, they've got similar style. Okay, I was kind of worried. I'm like, are they recycling this vibe from Discovery yeah, a little I bit? I don't, I don't think so. I feel like Tig on Discovery is really actually just being Tig. Well, that's fine. It's you just know? like I almost feel like sometimes shows have like this is just media in general, but it's almost like diversity bingo. Mm. You know, where yeah. it's like, do we have that marked off our card? Yeah. And I was like, is this supposed to be Tig no, Light? I feel like this, like Tig, Tig to me on Discovery is more like Bones. Okay. Like she's, she's like, Ugh, are you serious? And I have to clean up your mess. Ugh. Like that, that is Tig on Discovery. I feel like Ortegas on Enterprise, on, on this Enterprise yeah. is more of a flyboy. Sure. Like, like you said, like a Tom Paris type. She's the one that hazes Uhura. Yeah. You know, like she's she's the one that's like, hey, eh, 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 eh. Always, she's joking around all the time. She's having fun. She's like, whoa, let's do this. And you're right. Her language is very like 2022. Because at one yeah. point, the one guy who's like freaking out when he gets infected, she's like, all right, whatever, like tweaks, you're freak or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm sure people talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think traditionally this kind of character is usually played by a young man. True, true, so right. So it's really fun to see this character being played by a lesbian instead. You know, I like, think everyone like, understands what I mean. It's yes. like, let's just make sure we, you know, I think we talked about this with another one where we were saying like, you know, we have to understand that there isn't one version of any demographic. Yes, yes, yes. absolutely. And I, I absolutely. was a little worried that I'm like, oh God, yeah. is this just supposed to be like, the same character because that's the only way we can depict, like you said, a lesbian woman or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I I sort of see her more. I actually don't even know what her pronouns are. Let me look. But I again, uh, well, that's interesting you mentioned that because the the uh, the Uhura she, goes by they and she. Mm-hmm. I noticed. But I, let's put it this way: I trust the show to yeah. give me more. I'm sure her her story is going to expand soon. And yeah. I agree. I'm looking forward to her being more like a Tom Paris rather than a, a caricature as well. Yeah. It, it's less of a stereotype and more of a caricature that I'm worried about. But that that yeah. was kind of my first impression was like, all right, I'll be interested to see where this goes. Kind of like Chapel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I feel like next we've got to talk about Hammer. So is Hammer the Andorian? Yeah. Man, he's one of my favorite things so far. Yeah. Hammer is... He's grumpy, like he's. But there's more to him. But there's I, more to him than just grumpy. Oh like yes. He's also fucking hilarious. Like I just just adore, just adore this character. He's complex. I mean, that's what makes it, any character can be one thing, but it's the complexity around 
the, the grumpiness in this case mm-hmm. that makes it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I don't want to say too much because there's more of him. Okay. I will season. say, I mean, I think they have a nice build. Like the first episode, they just show him. And at first I'm like, okay, cool. There's an Andorian on the cast. I thought it was just like, look, it's one of those aliens, you know. Mm-hmm. The second one, he, Spock, and Uhura have, a again, a wonderful scene in that dinner party scene. Yep. I love it. And then the third one, he becomes actually like a, a pretty important part of the plot. So we definitely get to see him more in action. And I'm just like, this guy's great. Uh, and is it that he's blind? He's blind. But not all, I mean, this not is a all stupid Andorian. question. He's, he's like an, he's, he's like an albino. Albino subspecies of Andorian. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he's, he's fun. Yeah. I was just like, this guy's great. Yeah. And actually uh, the, the actor that plays him is legally blind. Oh, seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Hell fucking yeah. You can cast people with disabilities in characters that have a disability that they have. Yeah. You could do you could do that. It's like the quiet place, like the daughter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, cuz yeah, there are actors of all different kinds in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And it. I just think this <laughs> I think this guy is so like quick and funny and just I I also love a grumpy character. <laughs> I love grumpy characters. This is why we love Bones. You know, this is this is why like I mean I love I loved Pulaski in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh, I also love that like we we're getting more Andorians. Yeah. We're yeah. getting more species My- of alien. That is fun. We love that shit. Shit. I'm more aliens, please. Yeah, I, I will say like even the alien design for in the second episode is just like the ones that are on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like beautiful. Yeah. Like the clothing design, the makeup. They have some that are obviously digitally altered but in a way that makes you go "Ah," like yeah like aliens are scary (laughs) yeah i think it looks really beautiful okay so well that's all that's another oh it is oh no 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 sorry we have one more who dr mbenga oh yeah oh we just looked up and he's like a black belt in brazilian jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu master that's awesome that's amazing i have never seen anything else he's been in i saw really quickly on his wikipedia he was in um dune though Mm -hmm. Have you seen Dune? I have. I have. Okay. It's worth seeing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I fucking love this guy. He is so like <sighs> sweet yes. and tender and attentive and like very sensitive and just fucking lovely. So I mean, this this doctor is this character is from the original series. Like he's on what He what, is? Yeah, yeah. Uh a private little war and that which survives two episodes of TOS. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, bring him back. What's bring his story in that though? I don't remember. We probably need to watch those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The original uh, actor who played him was Booker Bradshaw. Okay. Um, he was an American record producer, film and TV actor and Motown executive. Wait, I got to look at your laptop for this. Hold on. Yeah, he just had he had like a very interesting career. He did a whole bunch of random stuff. Well, I love him too. Uh, he's another one where we see him. See, well, you see him in the first episode. Yeah, uh, and then he really comes back to the third one, but really towards the end. And again, it's just I feel like a pretty good integration of like, here's the story. Here's you're watching this because of the story. But wait, don't leave. We're gonna drop something on you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's going to become more story. Yes. Yeah, that's going to become some more crazy fucking yes. shit. Yes, and it, like, it's like, oh, 
Man. And it and it's nice because it sort of like ties up the mystery of the third episode of like why this actually happened. Yeah. But then it gives you a piece of his personal puzzle that you're like, oh man. Yes. Yes. And as a parent, it's also like equally heartbreaking. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, that's also what I'm saying about like all of the stakes being very personal yes. Yes. in all of these episodes. The stakes are personal. The stakes aren't the galaxy the stakes are right it, are, well it's just yes. the whole point is it's just showing like at the end of the day it's like we're all just i don't even want to say people because not everyone's people in the ship but we're all just individuals with our yeah. own our own problems going into like the bigger universe yeah yeah, yeah. And i i mean i think that this is doing a really great job of giving star trek fans and giving like new star trek fans um the satisfaction of seeing the the things that we have always loved about Star Trek watching yes. people watching people who know how to work as a team really well watching people who are just really trying to do their job really well yeah and have an adventure <laughs> what did you say is you like competency porn or competency porn. competency porn it really is I love that shit the well, West Wing is the same it's the same and and that's really what it's about is that in the future hopefully it's not that everything's perfect it's just the fact that we trying our damnedest yeah maybe and that's what we need in a post-covid world yeah know. and that we're like caring giving a shit about other people yeah like really giving a shit about other people because we understand that if if my neighbor is doing well then i am doing well oh i had that reminds me of something i did want to bring up with you so the first episode it's kind of like it's more of like a rescue mention like we gotta get our people out of there um it's it's a very compared to like mo- other things it's a little heavy-handed on the whole like you know earth used to be f- pretty fucking messed up you don't want to be like us like i feel like they even had footage that i'm they like did. i'm like how the hell did they get that footage that was like last week <laughs> like <laughs> damn they were quick on that yeah um, so they were like pretty heavy-handed on the like hey we're pretty fucked up right now don't end up like the us yeah but then on the third one what i thought what i thought was interesting about um number one and I called this too. I, um, I called that she was going to make this entry and then delete it. Um, but mm. she makes a log entry and she's like, what? And this is the revelation that she's part of this alien species that like the Federation has kind of turned their back on because they're doing things that are kind of questionable. And, uh, you know, and of course, Pike is very supportive when he finds out. He's like, you're, you're the best and you're yeah. a hero. Like, don't you worry. And she's like, what if what if I wasn't a hero? Like, would the opinion change? And she said, what if I wasn't the right one? And that I felt like was a very Star Trek moment, but a little more subtle mm-hmm. and kind of the beauty of sci-fi where it's like, oh, that holds up a mirror to like a bunch of stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, does someone have to have contributed something uh, like excellent to be, to, to, earn the right to exist to have a well and i hate to say it, but like a pass like yeah. it sounds shitty to say it that way but when she's like if i wasn't quote unquote one of the good ones and that really stuck with me because i yeah. felt like that was a very you know and i hate to say it but like especially in white society in america like you know that happens a lot where 
you know, we were, we just talked about it actually in the cage where he turns to number one. He's like, but not you. You're different. Yeah. And like, not to put you on the spot, we can edit this out, but I feel like that is probably something you have heard in your lifetime. Oh, yeah. That's the model times. minority myth shit. Yes. Yes. Huh? Where, and, and it, where, like, I've heard from people like, oh, your mom immigrated right. She did it right. Yeah. Like, like that, where it's like, what? that's not cool to say you yeah it's like no 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 and so and that's a, not just like a race thing that's like a religion thing yeah. that's a uh you know you're that shit gets used for every LGBT. Yeah, yeah yeah it's like oh this should this is an abomination or like yeah but not god's you. gonna send people to hell but not you but you're not you're you. one of the good ones and yeah. it's like oh that's ugly it, yeah it is really ugly yeah and so it is when that happened especially because it's disguised as a compliment yes exactly because it is not a compliment and so when she ends with that um log entry mm -hmm. that to me was like man that's star trek right there mm -hmm. Star Trek. yes that's <laughs> what i'm saying this really makes me feel like i'm watching star trek yeah you know yeah not not like i'm like watching an action movie that takes place in yes. the star trek universe like, this really feels like it has all of the things that I love about Star Trek. Uh, Dan started watching this with me. Hmm. He really enjoyed it. Um, and That's curious, because I feel like Dan wants more action. Yeah, but he really did like this. Okay. Um, and then we started watching Book of Boba Fett. Oh. And then he, after we watched, like, one episode of that, I feel like we watched a couple episodes of that. He was like, Strange New Worlds is better than this mm -hmm. show. And I was like, yes, it is. No, actually, is not very good. Can, it's not. All right. Can I say one thing, too? Kind yeah. of going off of that. Uh, I've been very pleased. Like, truly, the three episodes I've seen, one, two, three, in my mind, I was trying to visualize them as, like, a 1992 next-gen episode with, like, bad special effects and, like, even TV lighting. And I was like, mm -hmm. dude, this is totally a next-gen episode, which has kind of been what, like we said, it's like, I want this. But... Uh, what I love, though, is one of the things I said about our I went back and listened to our podcast about Strange New Worlds and the trailer. And I said, you know, one thing that has changed is that like Star Trek is back and it has like the money and the budget and the, and the technology is there to like because, you know, there's episodes of Next Gen where it's like it's a person in a fuzzy suit or, yeah, it, you know, or it's somebody, yeah. you know, uh, it, it's just obviously the it's yeah, it's like kind of Laurent in some places. And so uh, what I like is that these are very talky, which is something I like. The first one might Thank be you. a little more actiony, but like it's they're very talky. I like that. But when they do have action or some sort of drama, I have been legitimately like anxious and feel my heart racing just because yeah. the graphics are up to speed. Yeah. Um, I will say like two of the most terrifying <laughs> moments have been when there's that suspense of like Uhura opens up the alien egg. Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, like, first of all, it's a beautiful set piece. Like, beautiful. It's a beautiful set piece and the graphics are there, but like, I am anxious with the crew to be like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. And then the third one. You're pulled in. You're really pulled in. You are. And then the third one, the set design is, I mean, um, and we don't go to Spock and Pike much, but they're stuck in like a, uh, basically a alien library. And it's it's actually very simple. It's just like lit up. Like I actually I actually took a picture on my phone because I wanted to remember it and maybe show you. But you know, since I'm more the visual person, like I thought that was the library scene. It's just yeah. it's just a simple. Yeah, it's probably not that hard for them to make, but it was so effective. Yeah. Um. So some really beautiful set design. But when that door 
and those, you know, quote unquote monsters or aliens start coming in, like I was genuinely frightened because yeah. it wasn't like a cheesy Voyager graphic. Scary shit. Yes, yes, because the graphics now can serve the story. Yeah. That's exciting for me. Yeah. Because like I'm there with them. It's yeah. not just like we said, Voyager had bad graphics. TNG had like. Yeah, you remember those huge mosquito things? Yes, exactly. <laughs> now it is like, oh, Jesus, fuck, what is that? <laughs> and because they've pulled back on like a million punches or constant action, mm-hmm. it makes those moments much more weighted for me. Yeah. So that that might just be a personal thing, but that's one thing I'm really enjoying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm also really enjoying the music. And yes. I want to specifically say this score is written by uh, Nami Melamud, and she is the first woman to ever write music for Star Trek. That is very exciting. They heard you, Larissa. Yeah. They, they fucking heard me. They didn't listening. hire me, <laughs> but they did hire one. And she's she's fucking fantastic. She just co-scored a, a big movie with Michael Giacchino. Um, she did not write the theme. I wish they had let her write the theme. I can't remember the theme. Yeah, exactly. I know. And I'm um, kind of like, eh, <laughs> I feel okay. like I feel like they should have let her write the theme also. Um, but I am very impressed with her work on this. Uh, I'm really excited that there's a fucking woman writing music for the show. Finally. And I now follow her on Instagram. And one day I'm going to send her a message and be like, want to be on our podcast? You should. You should. Because I would love to talk to her. I definitely noticed the music. I think it was the second episode. I actually went out of my way to text you and be like, is it me or is the music really good? Like it's the, really good. I, would it be more proper to say the scoring? The score. Like, yeah. The score of the mm-hmm. episode. Oh well, yeah. Well, this oh. I, I feel like the show does a very good job of sort of hinting at the uh, the time period of Star Trek universe, while also obviously making it a show that is current. You know, yeah. so that yeah. So visually, I like it too. Yeah, yeah. I am very happy. Yay! How happy this, how this is has gone. I'm really excited for you to see the rest of the. I am. Season. I'm gonna watch. It. It's gonna be my new lunchtime show. Yay! Yeah, because I genuinely want to watch it it's not just like i need to watch it for the show which i hate to say it but i've kind of been feeling that way about some of the things in the past we've watched where it's like i gotta keep watching this This is one where i'm like i'm gonna keep watching this um i am really excited for you to see episode five Ah, okay um i think we're gonna have to come back and do this favorite one maybe we can like get on just talk about that episode yes because talking about more than one episode it's hard is hard um, but we're just getting back into this shit. Well, this is right? a good introduction. So, and we have so much more yeah. that we want to do. I, I mean, we definitely want to talk about the new lower decks too at some point. But then we also <laughs> we, we also have Picard. Yeah, we also have Picard. We also lost Louise Fletcher and yeah. Michelle Nichols this year. So we do want to do some little dives in on them as people and like members of the Star Trek community. Like, I would love to talk about Nichelle Nichols and just, like, the cool shit she did. Sure. Fucking Nichelle Nichols is responsible for the first black woman in space. Yeah. So there's a lot more fun stuff. There's a lot, so much more stuff to talk about. But now we're back. We're back in it. We're going to start putting more episodes out. And we're we're back. Yay. In the studio, too. We're in a room together for the first time in a long time. This is Yay. Nice. Yay! I think I can get used to this. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. <laughs> All right. So I uh, hope you liked it. And, and, yeah. <laughs> Bye. Hit it. <laughs> Hit it. <laughs> 
Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show, on Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. Why, when we're in battle mode, do the lights go down? (laughs) Why the fuck? I mean, that is just going to make me stub my toe on something.